0: Raíces presenta su programa Espejos de Aztlán. Welcome to your Espejos de Aztlán show. Today we are with Dr. Lillian Gorman, one of the authors of the recently released book Querencia, Published by the University of New Mexico. And today I want to highlight Dr. Lillian Gorman's work about the 4th of July Fiesta in Las Vegas, New Mexico, a historic milestone in which New Mexicans celebrate and reinstate their querencia, this beautiful word. That is the title of this book, and they also reinstall local stories in the national narratives. Dr. Gorman, a native of New Mexico, is currently director of the Spanish as a Heritage Language Program and assistant professor at the University of Arizona. Pues le damos la bienvenida a la doctora Lillian Gorman, una de las autoras del libro Querencia, publicado por la editorial de la Universidad de New Mexico, que fue recientemente lanzado. Hoy en especial queremos destacar su trabajo por sus reflexiones acerca de la fiesta del 4 de julio en Las Vegas, Nuevo México. Un hito histórico que los nuevos mexicanos celebran y en el cual reinstalan su creencia y las historias locales en el contexto nacional. La doctora Gorman, nativa de Nuevo México, es actualmente directora del programa de Español, como lenguaje de legado cultural y profesora asistente en la Universidad de Arizona. Bienvenida, profesora Gorman. Welcome uh, Dr. Gorman to our show. Muchas gracias. You highlighted a place and a time, which are las fiestas, las fiestas del 4 de julio en Las Vegas, Nuevo México. Empecemos por una cosa, ¿qué es querencia para ti? What is herencia because this is we have this beautiful word that first time I heard about was in the in the literature, Gaucheska literature in Argentina, and when I saw this word coming back here, and I thought, mm, there is a heart here in this word. What does it mean, carencia, in um, in New Mexico? Let's say something. And what does it mean for you? We are all inspired
1: by Juan Esteban uh, Juan Esteban Ariano's use of the of the term carencia, um, which is basically this connection to place, connection to land, particularly um, Ariano wrote about it in terms of water and land in northern New Mexico, but it's extended to so many other contexts, right? So it means home. Um, In the forward of our book, Rodolfo Anaya wrote uh, this beautiful forward that uh, now seems to mean even more (laughs) because it might have been one of the The last things that he, you know, that he wrote for No Mexicanos, and he talks about that as well. You know, it's a love of home, a love of place. And that's very much how how I define it personally, Right, my connection to home, my connection to place. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always the same place or that it doesn't change or that it doesn't somehow transform. I, I think it's also dynamic. But there, are, there is a rootedness, a groundedness to Querencia, and there's also the possibility of, of new Querencias and new connections to home. For me, you know, my Querencia is no Mexico, right? It's, it's <laughs> this is where my family's from. I, I have my Querencia in parts of the older part of the west side of Albuquerque, where I grew up, and also in the South Valley, where my grandparents uh, lived and my mom was born and raised in Belen that's where my grandparents were originally from uh, on my mom's side on my Santa's side and then on my dad's side you know Santa Fe Taos those are also cadencias from just from where my family is from so those are definitely kind of points in the in the constellations of my cadencias in New Mexico uh, but it can be something as as intimate and personal as you know my grandparents house that's in the south valley that's definitely you know a cadencia for me where i you know where i was at every day as a child and even as an adult
0: Well, it's beautiful that you put your heart on such a deep academic work and you choose this Las Vegas fiestas and we're in this weekend celebration why did you choose this place and this moment (laughs) to explore and such a rich event in Las Vegas New Mexico and rich event in New Mexico let's say
1: you know I had heard of the Las Vegas fiestas before but because I didn't have any um, consistent connection to Las Vegas in the form of close family members I have cousins who live there but and they were more distant cousins and as far as you know not seeing them very often, but the fiestas I knew and grew up with were the Santa Fe fiestas because that's uh, where my all my dad's side of the family is from. So I had heard of these fiestas, but I wasn't familiar with attending them regularly in any way or I'd never, I actually never had really attended them. But I began working and living in Las Vegas, New Mexico in the summer of 2005. I uh, took on the role uh, as being the director of the Spanish as a heritage language program at NMHU at Highlands. So I um, was just completely immersed in Las Vegas. I, I was excited to be living in Las Vegas because it had this feel that reminded me of the stories that my grandparents would tell me about how they grew up in Taos or how they grew up in Belen. This kind of small town and and pretty homogeneous in the the sense that everybody is from Las Vegas and and usually Hispanic from Hispanic background. Um, There were still bailes on the weekends um, with with the local bands, the local Northern New Mexican bands. There were still all these things that I thought I would never have the chance to kind of live in this smaller town and in in the ways that I heard my grandparents talking about them growing up in the 30s and 40s. Not to say that Las Vegas is completely stuck in a time warp or anything, but there were things that had maintained themselves, ways of living that had maintained themselves in Las Vegas that, that was a wonderful surprise for me. And one of the main ones being the ways that cultural traditions and practices and language kind of are still very Prominent and and in the discourse around what it means to be from Las Vegas and what it means to be from northern New Mexico So I was excited to be part of this community and it was summertime and I actually was not present for the first fiestas 2005 when i was living there i had another family obligation um out of town so when i came back that monday after fiestas um everybody was just you know all my coworkers and everybody at the university was just talking about oh well did you see this band or did you go there or or, you know what did you you know just rehashing kind of what happened all weekend and i felt like i really missed out on something and all my cousins who lived there were you know i was talking with them about it as well so um I made it a point to not miss a Las Vegas fiestas after that uh, because for me it was very different in that it's something that it wasn't touristy in any way there weren't tourists coming from the outside it was very much a celebration of the community who lives there and the community who comes back who has the roots there um, so it's not necessarily this um, kind of tourist attraction type uh, celebration, that many other types of festivals in in New Mexico or in the country kind of have that element. I didn't necessarily feel that in Las Vegas, but what also kind of piqued my interest was I couldn't really understand why the Las Vegas fiestas were on the 4th of July, right? Because Las Vegas was founded in 1835, right? It was one of the last um, major northern New Mexico villages to be founded, um, and became part of the U.S. or was taken from Mexico in 1846, right? General Kearney came through Las Vegas and and on the very plaza is where he declared that New Mexico was now part of the U.S. and that resistance was basically futile and, you know, is still a statue there, isn't it? There's still a a little monument there, right? In in the Plaza Mm -hmm. Park. So you have this interesting space where Las Vegas, New Mexico overall becomes part of the U.S. in 1846. And then these Fourth of July fiestas start in 1888. But normally, you know, New Mexico fiestas are are generally are rotating around the idea of a patron saint or a particular historical event. The arrival of Don Diego de Vargas and quote unquote reconquesting New Mexico, basically invading New Mexico again and and taking um, Santa Fe that's you know, what, what we grew up celebrating um, in the Santa Fe Fiesta, so it was very clear that there was a historical event attached to it. And then other fiestas in towns generally are those of the parish, of the Catholic parish, so the state that's there. And Las Vegas is named after Nuestra Señora de los Dolores de Las Vegas Grandes. Our Lady of Sorrows is the, the main you know, patron saint of Las Vegas, but the feast day for Our Lady of Sorrows is in September. So it, it kind of confounded me like what this, this celebration is so rooted in Las Vegas and so rooted in this particular celebration of community and, and Spanish and traditions and all these things that are, are living and breathing and that, that people come back for. And it has probably the best lineup of Northern New Mexican and New Mexico bands in the state for any fiesta. Um, but what is it the main question that, that I kind of was left with, what is it celebrating? Because there's not a lot of overt markers about the 4th of July in the sense that mainstream dominant white America would think of the 4th of July.
0: And especially the place, because you highlighted in your work La Plaza, which is the main place uh, usually in a, in a town, and especially towns that have places or cities that have Hispanic heritage, La Plaza is such a center of life, the heart of the community. And you highlighted especially this place. There is this paradox that also the monument to this General Stephen Watts Kearney is uh, still there. A while ago, I went with a native from Las Vegas, Adam Trujillo. He walked me towards that statue to show me that every time that uh, that statue is still like an insult in some ways to uh, Las Vegas people, Las Vegas inhabitants. The same time, there is this amazing, beautiful feast that is happening in the plaza. And you're saying that the symbols, what is said, what is done during that time, it highlights something very different than the... Let's say, if there is a national narrative or national narratives, what's different in these fiestas in the 4th of July uh, in Las Vegas, that you can see, that you can observe, that you can feel, that you can smell, taste, (laughs) taste.
1: (laughs) Well, being being there, going to the fiestas, since basically 2006, and except I, I... should mention they're they're canceled this year, of course, for the first time. And I don't know if they've ever been canceled before, but um, you know, going since two thousand six, um, you hear um, in the you know, there's always a master of ceremonies who's kind of hosting, and there's also a fiesta guide that the either the, the newspaper or the city puts out. Um, so in the discourse that's present both in spoken discourse and in written discourse, um, it's all about familia, tradiciones, um, y la herencia right so you you sometimes will have notions of independence or patriotism but they're kind of always subordinated in the text to tradición familia nuestra herencia nuestro idioma all those concepts so you see that visually in the fiesta guides and you also hear that constantly throughout the weekend uh, that we're here to celebrate our culture and our family and our traditions we're here to uh, remember but we're here to also think about you know what it means now to be part of las vegas it's all about la comida tambien and, and when you're talking about traditions that's what was interesting to me because you know everybody talks about oh it's about the music it's about the traditions it's about the food it's and and it truly is that weekend but the notion of tradition is what's interesting to me me because i I view tradition as a process it's not it's not necessarily fixed right so you
0: have it's um, not something stagnant stagnant. stagnant.
1: so Uh it's it's this constant uh process of both remembering but also remembering with the re in parentheses like you're 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 putting it together in the moment you're also thinking about what you know what you used to do as a kid or with your grandparents but you're also it with your kids right now and there's just this constant interplay between past and present um, and creating kind of new things and also incorporating quote-unquote traditional things that actually are quite new things like the food when when members of the community mention you know what they look forward to eating that weekend there's always you know green chili cheeseburgers and navajo tacos or indian tacos uh, um things like that that you wouldn't necessarily think of as traditional foods in the sense that they are native to the land. We have these foods that are actually more modern, but they get rebranded as, as you know, these are our traditional foods. So in that same way, you see the active process of tradition, incorporating new things constantly, but always still being grounded in this place, this querencia. So querencia can kind of reabsorb or absorb and reabsorb things, um, and then create new uh, ideas of tradition. And so this kind of very active process occurring in Las Vegas was super interesting to me. As, and also the music. The music is a huge part. I mean, of, of the fiestas. You really have everybody sitting in the plaza park with all this wonderful shade (laughs) Um, and uh, usually it rains at some point but it you know clouds up a little bit in the afternoon Um, and listening to a wonderful lineup of of local bands and singers and dancing and and you just have kind of this constant movement it's not about sitting down to think about some historical event or reenact some historical event
0: We are today with dr lillian gorman one of the authors of the recently released book kerencia published by the university of new mexico and today we are highlighting her work about the 4th of july fiestas in las vegas new mexico a historic milestone in which New Mexicans celebrate and reinstate their creencia and local stories in the national narratives and one of the notions you bring in your work is about the that these fiestas are in some ways a contestatory practice De resistencia, de algún modo. How can we see this uh, practice, uh, this fiesta, as also a contestatory practice in uh, Las Vegas? Where is the contestatory practice that we can um, highlight on this? I know this weekend it didn't happen, but probably, hope next Excuse- year, <laughs> yes, we will be able to, to join it again.
1: Well, I think there's several levels to look at um, the FASTAs as a contestatory practice. I, I think if you think about the idea of citizenship, but actually the notion of cultural citizenship um, that is theorized by many um, cultural studies theorists, I tend to use the definition that um, Diaz and um, Barriga coined when they were looking at a veterano festival in San Antonio, and I believe it was in San Antonio in South Texas, um, that also kind of grappled with these ideas of patriotism and Latino traditions and cultures. And the idea that they're, they're inseparable, right? It's about creating this safe space where they, they coexist. And it actually is not even given a second thought. Why wouldn't they coexist? It's those from the outside who may think that looks different. Um, in the same way that you get these panics about, you know, Latinos not being patriotic enough. Or like in my intro to the article, talking about how unpatriotic it is for a young man to be singing the national anthem in charro suit or mariachi suit these things are are not given a second thought in that they are inseparable uh, these celebrations of patriotism and latino culture and tradition in many areas of the u.s not just the southwest not just new mexico so this contestatory practice that's going on with the fiestas is is reframing the idea of patriotism to begin with right like we can be people pa- Patriotic in this way, we inscribe our, our patriotism. We have this history of military service. Um, we're recognizing the importance of this day, but we're also going to insert our traditions and culture, and that's going to be the dominant narrative of these fiestas. So the very fact that they're taking place on the Fourth of July, but the center of the fiestas is all about remembering, uh, you know, old stories and old memories of the fiestas, living new memory, you know, living new um, kind of memories, I guess, of the fiestas, and celebrating the music, um, and bringing the Spanish language into a public space that many times it does not enjoy that prestige, and it hasn't enjoyed that prestige in the history of Spanish in the U.S., so you have this very open celebration of families, cultures of Las Vegas together. And it's that's the dominant story. It's not about contesting a white narrative. This has always been the story of Las Vegas. Um, so it's important to see the ways that even in the Fiesta Guides, there's this notion. Of, it's a time to celebrate our culture, our history, to talk with our antepasados, or to talk with our abuelitos about our antepasados, to talk about the ways that fiestas have been celebrated throughout the years, and talk to our foref- or to remember our forefathers. And I love that use in one of the fiesta guides because they're not talking about you know Washington and and all these figures in um, U.S. history. They're talking about community members, people who have passed on, who are Las Vegas natives, who you remember through. Either your own memories, or through your grandparents' memories, or through your parents' memories, but reinstating the idea, or re-signifying um, the idea of forefather, and how can we look at this in a different way? That we've been here, and this is our history, and this is our place, and let's let's celebrate that. So through that process through language through the idea of dynamic tradition uh and and the idea of kerencia and, and, and many times it's multiple right you can feel a querencia coming back to las vegas um, after not being there the whole year when you live in colorado or california uh, but sometimes you also come back and you're like wow it's changed a little bit or oh i don't mm-hmm. know anybody anymore you know so it's also in in encompasses um, what I call cadencias disrupted too right because it doesn't uh, neglect change you're not again you're not living in some type of time warp uh, there, there are new innovations and there are changes but cadencia can incorporate that too it can incorporate the nostalgia and the disruption and also the connection to place um, and the connection to the stories and I think that's a nice way to think about also the moment we're in right because cadencia can can change and we can think about alternative stories alternative histories and I I think overall, what Las Vegas is doing is creating this safe space that one of my informants said, for, for, strictly for locals, right? That's um, where we come back to, where we celebrate who we are, and we're able to embody that through this celebration of Fourth of July, which coexists with our own patriotism, but let us show this patriotism in a, in a way that is is very Las Vegas, right? Is is all about our culture. Yanwa La
0: distancia que separa nuestras almas Soy culpable del disgusto que llevo en mi corazón talking about Las Vegas, New Mexico, highlighting the work of Dr. Lillian Gorman. And the title is Remapping Patriotic Practices, the case of the Las Vegas 4th of July fiestas. How are the languages intertwined with the event? They they exist
1: very naturally together, right? I mean, English and Spanish are both languages of the Latinos, Hispanics in in Las Vegas. You know, there is obviously a history History language Spanish language oppression, Spanish language loss. That was the work I did in, in Las Vegas, was working to help students recover and, and reclaim and feel more comfortable with their Spanish. So we have that history of, of loss. I think what's interesting, and you think about Las Vegas, since we have that monument to Kearney uh, with... Kearney's words when he claimed New Mexico for the U.S. and that invokes kind of the promises of well we're going to respect your rights, we're going to respect your, you know, what was articulated in the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo in 1848 and we know that wasn't the case, right? Las Vegas was also a, a great spot for the Chicano movement and for a lot of uh, what, what what went on in the 60s that was responding to this lack of, you know, cumpliendo las promesas from a century mm-hmm. before so you have all of that wonderful history in Las Vegas. The fact that, you know, Spanish truly is, as far as the music and a lot of the, the master of ceremonies and all that it, it's the dominant language so you have this insertion of no we're gonna we're gonna keep Spanish here we're gonna use Spanish here but that doesn't mean it doesn't coexist with um, many younger generations who don't feel confident who feel comfortable with hearing the, the music and love to sing along to the music but would not feel comfortable speaking I would say that everybody there has has a, re- a relationship to both Spanish and English and sometimes it's a painful relationship but it's Spanish is definitely there and it's it's uh a cadencia as well, right? It's a linguistic um where we have coexistence of Spanish and English and this flow between them. And some people feeling more uncomfortable around Spanish, some people feeling more comfortable, but a recognition that there is a relationship there to it. And it's part of what this community is.
0: So Dr. Lillian Gorman, I really appreciate your work and also appreciate the fact that there will be more people working around uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico history, looking at the history of Las Vegas and in this case it's very different when people and scholars and historians from the same place are telling their own stories like in the case you mentioned as well Nazario Garcia and this is the kind of work we really I really appreciate and I am very happy that you are doing this work and congratulate you for this.
1: Well, thank you so much. And I, I just want to say that in a sense, this article is kind of my love letter last to Las Vegas because uh, <laughs> Las Vegas was such an amazing, welcoming community to me. And yes, I did have cousins there and I discovered a new cousin that I didn't know I had and my 98-year-old cousin Lola, who we became very close. But, um, you know, I, I love telling the story with the words of people from Las Vegas, but I do hope that we um, have more of those from the community telling the stories of the community because if you look up bibliographies on Las Vegas history, they're usually not written by people who have roots in Las Vegas. That's something that is exciting to think about it changing and about younger
0: people, you know, writing about their querencia of Las Vegas. Muchas gracias, Dr. Lillian Gorman, de mi casa, su casa, acerca de este capítulo del libro Querencia, publicado por la editorial de la Universidad de Nuevo México, que es el caso de Las Vegas, eh, las fiestas del 4 de julio. We were talking with doctor Lillian Gorman, one of the authors of the recently released book Gerencia published by the University of New Mexico you can find this book in the University of New Mexico Press and also local book uh, book bookstores I think Bookworks is one of them in this case remapping patriotic practices the case of the Las Vegas 4th of July fiestas for Espejos Estland today Cristina Bacchini thank you so much muchas gracias Lilian por tu tiempo y por conversar con Espejos Estland sobre tu trabajo y felicitaciones nuevamente por tu trabajo muchas gracias
1: las noches las altos días ¡Oye! ¡Oye! oh oh
0: Y hoy te brindo respeto y amor Bienvenido mi amigo soldado Bienvenido a tu tierra otra vez Tu regreso nos alegra el alma y
1: Volveremos otra vez